When you think about recommendation engines, you think about the recommendation for maybe a new music album, or maybe a new book from Amazon, or maybe a movie that you should watch. You don't generally think about using a recommendation engine for buying a car or for buying a house. But that's exactly what Vast is aiming to do. Vast is a company that works on large considered purchases, that is to say purchases that involve a lot of information and a lot of money. Right now, mostly they're focusing on consumer purchases, but they're going to be doing some B2B work in the future as well. And we speak this week with David Frank, who's the chief scientist at Vast. He's a PhD from the University of Texas at Austin in computer science. He's previously worked at Google. He's taught at university. And for the last eight or more years, he's been at Vast cracking away on their data science team and their data science practice at their company. He explains this week how a company like Vast can take data about cars or data about homes and then the preferences and the activity within an app of a human being and match them to the right product. While Amazon fortunately has a lot of transaction data, Vast really doesn't. There aren't that many people that buy you know, two cars a week or even one house per year. And these transaction volumes are low. So how does a company like Vast glean the proper information from a user's interactions to be able to present them with a home or with a car that might be a perfect fit for them and also the right deal? Pretty interesting use case. And again, a very curious sort of application of what we traditionally see or would categorize as recommendations in a space where you normally would not see it applied. David speaks a good deal about what this might look like in the future and how other firms that aren't just selling smaller products but are selling bigger things may need to be jumping on the AI bandwagon to be efficient and ahead of the herd. Kind of some interesting thoughts on the business model side. If you're interested in the broad applications of recommendation engines, type in recommendation at techemergence.com and you'll see our recent deep dive into this space. We recently did a tremendous amount of coverage on the uses of recommendation across different business and industry sectors and consumer applications to give people a really rich and robust understanding of what a recommendation engine is. So if this interview is of interest to you, make sure to check out the full article on Tech Emergence and dig into that. But without further ado, this is David with Vast here on AI and Industry. So, David, in order to kind of paint the picture of what's possible today, I wanted to get a sense of when artificial intelligence is used and we understand things about the actual buyer for a large purchase, you know, a car or a home, we understand things about the inventory, the various cars and homes out there. How are we currently able to match people to those items in a better way than maybe a Google search would? What's actually possible today? Okay, great question. So, today when we look at people who are searching. And I should say, we're really interested in taking this process from a search process to a discovery process. But today, all the interactions are very search-based. But what we want to do is look at what individuals do their actions to say, what is it they're looking for, and start to make inferences about what kinds of things would be interesting to them, and start to bring to bear a lot of information we have about the inventory that's available, say they're looking for a car, and what's going on in the local market to help them make their decision. So there's lots of information there, and what we try and do with our AI technology is help sort of collect that information, process it, and present it to the user in a simple way so that we've, in a sense, done a lot of the analysis for them, and they can get to their decision faster versus just looking through pages and pages of listings and tables and tables of data. Cool. And this is a kind of an interesting trend in sort of online search, and you would use the term discovery 
in general. I've heard a few companies, it's a totally different application, but in the conversational interface world, particularly chat, speak about how typing in your query and just getting a bunch of answers you know, that might be relevant is kind of the current experience. In the future, people will be able to be asked a second question after they ask the first one and then be presented with the answer, not even a possible answer. And that maybe that would be closer to the experience of what search could be like. It sounds like you're talking about a similar further refinement of sort of this big purchase world. Instead of going into, you know, 18 of your own totally separate websites and kind of trying to export things into Excel if you have to, or copying and pasting things to try to patch together the experience, that your objective here is to be able to kind of pool that together and similarly simplify the process. Exactly right. So when you think about the way people approach this today, as you said, you go to a search site, you have to know a lot about what it is that you're interested in finding already just to type in the query terms. So maybe even there you can type in free text, but you typically just get a list of results. What we're interested in doing is Here's a great example. So we have the ability on a phone to point a phone at a vehicle and say, what kind of vehicle is this? And it comes back and says, you know, this is a 2015 Toyota Camry, whatever the trim is. But you could start the discovery process here by saying, oh, you know, I'm interested in vehicles like this. So there's a couple of underlying pieces of technology that are going on. First is just the image classification that we're doing against the vehicle. But then the next one is, okay, go out and find vehicles that are similar to this that are available in the market that this person might be interested in. So now we've started this. They're just, in a sense, discovering what's available, and they've seen something they like and say, okay, I want to start here, but then that discovery process may lead them lots of different directions. But to facilitate that, we employ different kinds of AI technologies underneath, whether it's building similarity algorithms or doing image classification like recognizing the car. Yeah, and I actually wanted to get into some of those. So this is curious now. It sounds like the, you know, currently with the app as it is with you guys, I take it you have an existing mobile app of some kind, David? Yes. Okay, cool. So with the existing mobile app, there are people who are out there in the world with a vast app who will snap a picture of a car and say, I'd like to see what's similar and kind of available like this vehicle. Is that kind of the use case for the most part? Is this also with houses or is this exclusively with cars for the time being? So currently we have this working with cars. Our ambition is to take this to homes as well, but currently just working for cars. That makes sense. I think homes, it's a little bit more challenging. You've got trees to deal with and it's tough to gauge like the size of a home with one picture, you know, as opposed to a car. It's like, okay, well, there isn't like a whole nother big lengthy part of that car that's just out of view. It's like, clearly this is the darn car and it comes in a specific make and model, but people are, are able to snap a picture. And is it mostly for show me similar cars that I can buy? Is it show me similar used cars they can buy? Or is it more just, hey, show me what the make and model is and let me explore similar makes and models? What's actually possible within the app? This is kind of neat. So what's possible is in a sense you start there and then say, okay, here's a vehicle. Show me vehicles that are similar to this one. Historically, we've looked at what users search for and what's available in the market to develop this notion of, you know, what is a substitute product for this one? So then we can start there and show them, you know, a vast array of vehicles there. And then as they go through the process and start to 
click on things, show us what they're interested in. We can sort of refine the kinds of recommendations and the further results and information that we want to present in front of them. So one of our products is called Car Story. What we try and do is build a complete story around individual vehicles, just how they're priced, but how the vehicle's configured, you know, what's its condition, how does it compare to other vehicles in the market. So all of that information kind of comes together to a nice summary about individual vehicles and then also kind of generally about what the market is that the user's looking at. Cool. Okay. So that puts some context on sort of what the user experience looks like. And in terms of other applications of AI and sort of where it's playing its role back here, what sort of rang a bell in my mind as you were talking, and this is definitely a different use case altogether, but there's a company called House that I'm sure you're familiar with, who when you first show up there, it's kind of an interior design place where you guys are talking about buying an actual home. For them, it's more just home improvement services. But you show up at the site and They'll have you pick through a whole bunch of different photo albums when they're doing that as they're figuring out, do you like industrial design? Do you like modern design? Do you like this kind of garden, that kind of garden? Do you like this kind of template, color templates, that kind of color templates? And they're sort of just having you pluck amongst a whole bunch of selected options. But through that, they're able to coax out, okay, well, what kinds of articles and what kinds of how-to stuff and what sorts of products do we want to rotate in front of you based on what you like? It sounds like for you folks, there's something similar where you know people will explore and look through and maybe be able to click a checkbox or click a favorite on certain vehicles that maybe they have an interest in. And then you would similarly know, hey, when we want to actually sell them a car, it looks like we're almost exclusively going to be going with convertibles because that's what they really care about or you know, certain colors or whatever the case may be. Am I on the right page here, David? Exactly right. So we're currently doing this both in our car story product with automobiles and also our home story product with homes, which is that we present lots of options in front of the users. And as they show interest, either in terms of liking something or let's say even something sort of less obvious is the amount of time they spend on a page, we could use that information to then build a more personalized experience for them to say, okay, we've watched what you've looked at and we believe that these are also interesting. For example, in the real estate world, you know, you're looking in a geographic area, but the places you're interested in probably aren't contiguous. So one of the things we've learned is for what different, let's say, zip codes in a major metropolitan area are essentially the same in terms of home prices and school districts and that sort of thing so that we can make recommendations about, you know, you're looking over here in southwest Austin, but looking at the, the types of homes you're interested in, here's some ones that exist up in northwest Austin that you might also be interested in. Got it. Okay, cool. And that's the discovery part that you were talking about, right? Where they might have never specifically looked for that kind of thing, but you've garnered a sense of their taste. You've garnered a sense of their budget. You've garnered a sense of their likings and dislikings. And now you have the ability to to recommend and kind of have them discover. I mean, it, you know, it's reminiscent of the Pandoras and the Netflixes of the world, but for really, really big purchases. Exactly right. And the way I like to characterize this is that we can observe user behavior and learn from what I call high information users and learn information from that, like similar zip codes in a metropolitan area, and then turn around and take that information and, and help low information users. Definitely. Well, yeah. Okay. Great distinction, David. This is cool. Okay. I'm glad you dove into that because, you know, isn't it kind of the same across the board? I mean, you talk to the people in, in mobile gaming, for example, they don't know how to optimize an entire mobile game for revenue based on, you know, your average user. Your average user doesn't even use the freaking app. And if they ever do, it's <laughs> twice, but they have a couple people. People that are on there all the time and, and are just super fans and a lot of what they glean in, in terms of customer lifetime value and making predictions and projections and all that is going to be off of the folks that they can actually collect the information off of. Similarly, I'm sure Netflix has occasional people like my wife has an account and we maybe once or twice a month we'll watch a single movie 
really, really predictable and not all that exciting Netflix user. I don't, I don't even know if it's like, might even be her brother's account or something. Hopefully the, the Netflix police don't come arrest me for that. But but yeah, I mean, you know, we're just not really super duper movie people. However, you know, they see that I've watched, you know, The Matrix and, you know, some documentary about the French Revolution and, and have an understanding that, you know, I might like history and I might like a certain kind of transhumanist sci-fi and they're able to kind of glean that because there's other people that watch a ton of those historical things and I might only watch three in a year but they can use the information of the people that are watching them day and night and they can say, ooh, this is the one that he might like next. And it sounds like you folks would be able to do something similar. You, you take the places you can really dig up the information and say, all right, well, this tends to correlate with this. People who like this tend to like these things and create a little bit of a better experience for everybody, I guess, is the, the hope. Yeah, and that's exactly right. The the ideas and by observing user behavior on sites today, we can understand who's engaged, where they are in the process. You know, are they early on just trying to discover what's available, or have they zeroed in and said, Okay, this is the type of vehicle I want. So you can really learn a lot from those engaged users. Cool. Just to try to put a cap on kind of what's happening now within, you know, Vast's technology, and I think this will be indicative to sort of what AI can do today in this domain. You mentioned one example of machine vision and using that kind of combined with recommendations to be able to discover you know, new vehicles, for example, which is a current application. The goal eventually to do that with homes as well, which I think would be really cool. Another potential facet of AI that we had mentioned here was more on kind of the recommendation and extrapolation of taste and preference, which is kind of the Netflix house Spotify game, but in this case, just for very large purchases. Are there any other important facets of artificial intelligence currently in the works that I have not brought up that are sort of a critical part of your value prop? Or is that at present pretty much where the brunt of the work is being done? So I think it's a combination of those kinds of things, the image processing and then also more traditional sort of model building and modeling, whether it's modeling of users or building models for pricing to say help dealerships price vehicles competitively, that sort of thing. So I think you maybe would consider maybe more like the data science side of the world, but you know, using AI algorithms. Yeah. I think that's sort of the core of where we're working today. Cool. Okay. So that gives me a sense of where this is at present. I think it's interesting because you know, when we think about recommendations in this sense, it's easy to sort of see it for Amazon products. It's easy to see it for, you know, Netflix movies. These are very high transaction volume things, so to speak, or, or high engagement things, so to speak. With Netflix, we can look at all the pauses, all the clicks, all the plays, all the replays, all the favorites, all the whatever else. And with Amazon, you know, you're buying $5, $12, $40 things. I mean, you can buy seven of those, you know, in a given week and, and do that over and over and over again. And eventually we can see how there'd be a lot of information to be kind of drunk in here, so to speak, by the system to, to allow it to make better recommendations. Here we're talking about these really curious examples that are not really high transaction volume. Probably very few, even of your users, if they're high end, are buying a home once a year, you know? Oh, yes. They're probably just not. That's a really hard thing to do, even if you're buying cheap homes. You're having to kind of extrapolate images, preferences, and like you said, your high information users and use that to stretch across the other folks because you can't really count on bulk purchasing from individuals in this case. 
Exactly right. And one of the interesting things about the domains that we work in, if you think about cars and homes, every one of those items is unique. You know, people who are on Amazon or, you know, if they go look for, let's say, a camera, that's kind of a commodity. Yeah, you're right irrespective of what vendor you buy it from. Literally every used car is unique. Every home is unique. So, And the good part about that is we have very deep kind of knowledge about each one of these pieces of inventory. You know, what are the features on the car? What are the amenities on the home? And so that gives us a lot of information. And then by watching kind of what users do, what are the interesting features? For example, one of the models we have tells us what are the features of cars right now that are driving demand in this particular market? Huh. So you can say, Driving demand, that is to say, the ones that people are eagerly snapping up when they're available. Exactly. So, okay, so in, in Northwest Austin, you know, for some weird reason, there's these shades of blue and these shades of red that seem to be just selling. And there's also these types of makes and models of used cars that for some reason are just getting nabbed and gobbled up. And maybe that helps you calibrate supply and demand and pricing and all the rest of that. Yes, it does. And there, are, in a sense, is potential uh, arbitrage opportunities where we understand. If you think about different areas of the country, here's a an area where this vehicle is in demand, supply is low. Here's another area which has the opposite. For instance, we've talked to some of the OEMs about giving them this kind of information so they know how to distribute vehicles when those vehicles come off lease. They can send them to other areas of the country where they know they can sell them quickly. Yeah, I was going to say, I imagine the business model is not selling consumers the ability to use this app. The business model is in, in some way working with real estate brokers on some kind of or car folks on either some kind of a deal to license the data and the information in a way that helps them with their goals, or in some kind of commissionable base if you're the one that's actually driving the feet through the door to to make the purchase. It sounds like that's probably the way that the economic engine here turns. Let me know if I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. Okay, cool, cool. Got it. That was was literally just a first stab, but I was guessing. I was like, ah, you know, how much can you really charge a month for an app like this? You want everybody to just use it for free. I might actually just go test this thing out now that you've told me about it, take pictures of cars out here in San Francisco. So last question, David, and I know you must be thinking about this a good deal, and this will be kind of a short one, but I am interested in your thoughts before we wrap up. You know, when you look at the future of what you've called before we got on the recording, considered purchases, that is to say, large purchases made by individuals, you know, cars and homes being the pivotal run-of-the-mill example of considered purchases for your average citizen. When you think about how that will evolve in, you know, a half a decade into the future, what are the big trends that you see as most exciting there? What are the big kind of ground shifts that you see as somewhat inevitable for those big purchases? Well, I think that particularly from the point of view of AI is that either consumers who are purchasing things or businesses who are selling things need to start to use these techniques because it's going to give them an advantage. You're going to have better pricing. You're going to have better inventory. If you're the seller on the buyer side, you're going to have a better understanding of what's available, what are the best deals, you know, what's going on in the marketplace. For example, do I need to move on this car right now? Can I wait and see what happens or can I go in and negotiate? You know, what is the status? of that. But in a sense, digesting and processing that information and, and in a sense, disseminating it to everyone. So I think that what will happen is that the businesses and the consumers who employ this technology are going to be at somewhat of an advantage over those who don't. Huh, yeah. And it seems as though almost, you know, I'm likening it to the stock market. There's certain kinds of transactions on the stock market that are just either done by machines or they're kind of not done. 
Like there's these little dark corners that humans just can't act fast enough. It adds this, certainly there can be hiccups. So that's the stock market. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that it'll translate to this, although maybe there's challenges, but that there's a certain degree of efficiency that's kind of guaranteed by having machines work at a certain degree of granularity. And it seems like for the listing and purchasing of vehicles that might become kind of the same thing. If, if sort of all the places that are selling them have access to this kind of information on supply, demand, et cetera, all the people do, it seems like the aggregate objective is kind of a more efficient market overall. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, for instance, in the case of dealers, the ones who are better at filling their inventory with vehicles that they can turn faster, sell quicker, they're going to be more profitable and make more money. So I think that, again, it's going to be a competitive advantage for those who use the technology and a disadvantage for those who don't. Yeah, as time moves along, I think it's tough to deny that that'll be the case to some degree. And interesting to see the take rates on the dealers and the take rates on the users of this kind of tech, but certainly an interesting food for thought for those of you who are considering how purchasing retail and particularly these big purchases might sort of change as the future rolls around here. David, thank you so much for sharing your insights. It's all the time we have, but I very much appreciate you being here on AI and Industry. Okay, Daniel, thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat with everyone. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, most of our podcast listeners get our, the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Figella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>